we open in worship.
You may be seated. How's everybody this morning? <laughs> so glad to be able to welcome y'all this morning. Uh, um, I'm Wyatt. I'm one of the elders here at Faith Family, and we're just glad to have you. I know it's holiday weekend, so it's sometimes a little bit harder, raining outside, harder to come in this morning, but we're so glad to have you. Um, the, uh, we've got the little yellow cards on the back of the uh, pews, and so if you're visiting with us, we'd love to be able to uh, reach out to you and uh, visit with you this week. So if you just fill those out and drop them out in the basket on your way out, we'd like to be able to do that for you this, this morning. A um, couple of quick things. Um, first of all, I want to do the scripture memory for this morning. We start a new month, and so we'll be starting a new scripture. We're doing Isaiah 6, 5. So if you look up on the screens, it says, And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah 6, 5. Let's do it one more time. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. All right. Thank you. A um, couple of other quick announcements. Um, many of you know about the backpack uh, school supply uh, drive that we're doing for foster care in the, uh, you've passed the tree, you're like, why is there a Christmas tree in July in the back of the church? Well, that's, uh, we're um, raising school supplies for uh, foster kids, and so you can just, the lists are on the tree in the foyer, you can take one or two for your family. Uh, you can buy the items that are, that are listed and needed on there, but what we'd really like for you to do as well is pray together as a family for the child that you take off the tree and leave them a note of encouragement in their bag, something, you know, just let them know that you're praying for them. Um, we'd like all the items to be back to the church by July the 28th or before that um, and include the name if you can put your tag back on there that you took so that we know which child that the items go to. If you have items on the list and you say, I can't find them, I don't know where to get them, you can, you can attach a gift card. So if a Walmart or Target or somewhere like that, you can attach. And so even if you can't find it, uh, we'll be able to get it for them. So those families will be coming on campus here uh, on Saturday, July the 30th to pick up their bags. And um, we're also that day going to be having an open house for our foster closet, which is back in the old nursery in the back of the gym if you haven't been there. Um, um, but there's going to be some ladies in the back of the, uh, back of the auditorium. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, Daisy and some of the others will be back there, so you can ask them. But then on that Sunday, on the 31st, we're going to be having, having an open house in that same area for the church and for the community. So we'd love for you to be able to come back and look and see what we've done back there. It's just it, you know, it's grown by leaps and bounds. And honestly, we've been passing out things to foster families this whole time. But we'd really love for you to be able to, to check that out and see what, uh, what we're doing for the community. Um, so other couple of quick or one more quick announcement, um, kind of on behalf of the search committee and uh, the elders. You know, this is a strange Sunday for sure, right? It's our first one without Joel as pastor, and that idea can be kind of scary to think about. 
but uh, we, we definitely know that while we are without a senior pastor, we are not without leadership or direction. Uh, this is an elder-led congregation, and above all, we look to the Lord for our direction. So he is sufficient for us, and he's sufficient for our needs. Um, I, several years ago, uh, of course, I'm working in ICU where we do open heart recovery, and uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the patient laying in the bed when they first roll out. If you've been one of those patients, you didn't get to see this, but uh, if you've walked in there, it's a scary, scary thought. It's a scary thing to see with your loved one on a ventilator. They've got more equipment than you've ever seen in your life, and everything makes noises, and, you know, some of it sounds really bad, <laughs> and so we had this uh, lady come in, and she, she just immediately starts breaking down as soon as she gets in the room, and um, with every alarm that went off, everything that she saw, she just got more and more anxious about it, and finally, I kind of had to say, look, <laughs> you don't see me, when I start panicking, you can panic, okay, <laughs> like, I know this is scary. I know that it's a lot to take in. And this whole, I'm here for this. This is my only patient. I'm only taking care of him. And so we're going to keep the highs from being too high. We're going to keep the lows from being too low. We're going we're gonna to ride this out, right? And so that's, that's our, uh, you know, our approach as elders is we're trusting the Lord. You can trust in us while we go through this process. And, um, it is, it is something that can be scary, but we're not going to let it be. Um, we are you know, working towards that end, and we're very, honestly, from a standpoint of the search committee, we're very excited about kind of the developments over the last couple of weeks. So what is the plan? <laughs> so sometimes we can make a long plan, but that doesn't make it the Lord's plan. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks is see where his direction is. We're going to take a couple steps, and then we're going to look for him again. And then we're going to take a couple steps, and we're going to look for him again. So, of course, Matthew is uh, preaching today. We will have Dr. Mark Tube preaching the next couple of weeks after that. That's Elise Weeks' dad, if you're um, not familiar. Um, he's served um, both as pastor, as interim pastor. He's been in the world of uh, Christian academics for a long time and has just recently retired, and so he's going to fill in uh, for us the next couple of weeks. But we also have several men outside the church who have offered to fill in if we need to. And we certainly have several men, elders included, uh, that can serve and, and preach if we need them to as well. So in some ways, that is the plan. Um, we intended to bring in someone to be an interim originally, but um, especially if we were standing here with no prospects and not really a plan for what could happen, we would do that. But on behalf of the search committee, uh, you know, I just want you to know that we have been, like I said, we've been in talks with uh, two, you know, kind of honing in on two or three men, and we've had two great conversations this week. And so we really feel like the next four to six weeks, not to put a timeline, don't hold me to timelines, uh, but over the next four to six weeks, things are going to start to come clear. We, we know that the Lord's going to start elevating um, these men to us as, you know, as he sees fit. And so in some ways, naming an interim may not be necessary. So... If we feel like we need to, we will. But as we go, we're just going to kind of take it a few weeks at the time and work towards that end because we do feel like the Lord is really um, directing our hearts uh, in, in a couple of different directions there towards a couple of different men in, in particular. Um, that said, the team is making taking a couple of weeks off, kind of a mini sabbatical because we've got some vacations that are overlapping. And uh, we're just not going to be able to get a lot done in those two weeks. But that will allow us to 
decompress and kind of offload a little bit of this weight for a little while um, that we've had, but also to spend some time separated from each other and in prayer. And so we are asking you as a church body um, to be in prayer with us, to pray over um, our church, over our hearts, and over the men that we are um, looking at. We're asking you to come alongside us in prayer specifically for Pray specifically for our clarity and unity over the coming weeks. So I'm not going to open up the, uh, the altar this morning or anything like that, but while I mean, you'll let me pray if you'll pray with me to that end, okay? Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, God, you are over all things, and you are not a God of chaos. You're not a God that wants to hide your will from us. God, you don't want us to be riddled with anxiety in this church. You want us to trust you. You want us to come to you knowing that, Lord, you have everything mapped out already. You, all we have to do is come along, alongside and be obedient to hear from you. Help us to have ears that can hear. Help us to be in your word. Help us with your discernment. Lord, over this body, God, I pray that you help us to understand and keep looking for ways we can be active in our church and in our community. This is no time to just stop and sit back and wait on a pastor to be put in place. But, God, there's work to be done, work for us to do as elders. There's work for us to do as teachers, as deacons, as families, and as the church in the whole, those who are hurting, who need comforting. There are those who need to be refreshed. There are those who need a good word to be spoken to them. Lord, help us to be the, the continue to be the, the hands and feet in this community that we need to be. Keep pushing forward, trusting that, Lord, you are sufficient for us in this time and in for the times to come in this church. God, we thank you for your blessings. You have been so gracious to us time and time again. We thank you in all things, and we thank you for Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church family, let's stand together as we continue in worship this morning. Without hope, no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in. When death was arrested, my life began. Ash was redeemed, only beauty remained. Orphan heart was given a name. My morning grew quiet and my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested, my life began. You know your grace so free washes over. You 
have made me do now life begins with you release my chains I'm a prisoner no more my shame was a ransom he faithfully He canceled my debt and he called me his friend. When death was arrested and my life began, know your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new, now life begins with you. It's your endless love pouring down on us. You have made us new. Now life begins with you. And our Savior displayed on a criminal's cross. Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested, my life began. That's when death was arrested, my life Your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new, now life begins with you. It's your endless love pouring down on us. You have free from sin 
when we are free from evil, when we are free from temptation, and we are freely able to worship our Father. So let's continue to sing about His goodness.
Thank you for the opportunity that we can be here, God, to worship you. Lord, through song, through community, through reading your scripture, through prayer. Lord, through everything that we do. Let it be worshipful to you. Not just today, but God, throughout this whole week. God, I pray that you continue, um, Lord, to just keep our, our hearts and our minds focused on you. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we can freely worship you. That we can freely proclaim your name. And that we can freely go and share with others who you are and the freedom that you bring. God, I pray that you give us the boldness, give us the confidence to go out and share your love who you are with those around us. God, I pray for Pastor Matthew as he comes to bring the word. Lord, will you give us ears to hear, but more importantly, God, hearts to understand. God, that we can apply this, this message to our lives. That we can leave this building better equipped to be your church. Lord, thank you for this time. We love you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, amen. Thank you all for leading us this morning and time of worship. We will be in Psalm 127 this morning, and if you want to flip there, go ahead and flip there. Uh, we'll, we'll focus in uh, there for our time, but I want to also ask you to pray with me again. And uh, we have, if you know, we have a mission house on campus, uh, a home that's set aside for uh, folks who are serving the Lord in a variety of places overseas to come and use uh, freely, that they would stay and have some time of respite, some time together, some time to uh, rest and seek the Lord again, that he would fill them, strengthen them, and send them back out to where he has called them. Uh, to serve. And so we have a family who is supposed to be here yesterday, uh, the Harpers, that they are, they will be here this evening, but have come from Europe, from Belgium, where they've been serving the last few years, and were, I say, supposed to, because every flight they had was delayed, and uh, every, all the plans that they had went, they just disappeared. And so they tried to get uh, out of Atlanta. Their flight to Pensacola was canceled, dropped. And so tried to rent a car. There's no rental cars. And so they ended up taking an Uber from Atlanta to Birmingham to borrow a car to get down to their family in Fairhope. And so they will be uh, staying with us. And I just want to 
uh, bring them to your attention, uh, that you will be praying for them and that we can pray for them now, and also bring them to your attention that they will be here, and they will not always be here on Sunday mornings uh, because they'll be out doing other things within the association, uh, working at, at a variety of places, but want you to know for prayer's sake, but also to maybe love on them a bit, to go talk to them, uh, show up and knock on the door, say, hey, they may not welcome that, but anyways, that go, go see if uh, there's anything they need and just want to let you know they, are, they will be here for several months and really ask you to pray for them. So if you would, join me in prayer uh, again as we pray for the Harpers and our time. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that, Lord, you have sent your son, that you sent Jesus, you came into the darkness of this world, that you came to save. You came to fulfill what we have failed to. You came to right the wrongs. You came to, to, to bring about the destruction of death and to provide that those that your people would know you would be saved by grace, not merit. And so, Father, just as you have sent your Son into this world, you call your people to go. You equip us by the work of grace in Christ and also applied by your Spirit that is with us and abides with us as a seal, as a promise of our inheritance in Christ, that you are with your people and that you have sent your people out. And God, there are some you've sent further and some that you've sent just locally. And Lord, we trust that, Lord, as the Harpers, they will be with us for a time that, God, uh, you will help us. You'll help us to encourage and to edify them, to be with them, to walk alongside them, to pray for them, and to try, to try to nurture them through this time of rest that, God, they would be able to return to their field of mission. They would be able to return uh, to where you have called them, full of your spirit and full of encouragement in order to serve and in order to bring you glory that others who are in darkness would come to know the light of Christ. So we ask you, Lord, that uh, Lord, you would um, provide for them the next few months and that, God, you would in the same for us. And this morning, from your word, that, God, you would be glorified, you would be exalted, and that we would know you better from this time, uh, from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so Psalm 127. It's a great psalm. God has used this in my life mightily. And so in light of Roe v. Wade this week and it being struck down, I fully intended in looking and praying over what, what do we need to look at, what we, do we need to hear. This, this psalm stuck out to me, and it jumped off the page. And what I thought, what I thought we were going is not where we're going. Uh, what, I, what I thought we were going to look at and what the Lord has used this in my life to do was as I studied and, and what, what he instead, uh, what I think he intends in this is different than how I've, how I've taken it. And so just by way of our, our situation with, uh, with our cultural situation, this, this provides, this provides the, the potential for great expanded ministry that God would call us to. In light of the changes in, in our nation, where we're at, and what is happening, that the church ministry to show the love of Christ, it's likely that we're going to have to step up and care for people and care for folks. And it's not unusual for the church. Historically, the church has always done it. 
has always shown up into dark places to help people, to show the light of Christ amid the darkness of the world. That is who Jesus is. That's what he did. That before the foundations of the earth, that Jesus would come into the darkness of the world, the corruption of the natural order of what God has made, and he would come to redeem. He would come to restore. He would come to illuminate the problem, illuminate sin and destruction and death in order to apply his blood to pay for sin and to restore and fix. And so he's called his people, as he is Savior, he's called his church to do the same. Of course, we don't pay for the sins of others, but in a like manner of stepping into darkness and dark areas with the gospel out of a heart that has been redeemed and filled with the Spirit in order to display and to show His love. And so the situation we're in culturally will afford us with many opportunities that that as His church we should look for and within that context prayerfully be ready for. Also, as Wyatt shared just a little while, the our context immediately this psalm has, has great encouragement for us because God is sovereign. God is in charge. God is with us to such a degree that I don't know, I don't often reflectively understand that looking at my life and decisions I made and what specifically God has, has reminded me of through this to the degree that God is with us such that we need not be anxious. We need not eat the bread of anxious toil, as we're going to see in verse 2, that our life needs not be consumed by anxiety and consumed by fear because if the Lord is building, there is no vain vanity. The Lord builds, and so we must trust in Him. So let us remember the sovereignty of God as we look at this psalm. So kind of years ago, the Lord used this psalm in my life as we were at a place, a fork in the road, and uh, I had plans. I had a direction that I wanted to go and things that I wanted to happen, and it was my plan, and I was holding on to it, uh, and I was holding on to it very firmly. And the Lord brought this psalm and, and broke me through it, through what it says about, about his lordship and about his building, about his preparation and about his gift of family and of children. And so um, just early in our marriage, as God brought us and specifically directed me in my life, this, this psalm is wisdom. It's the only psalm that bears the name of Solomon. It's the only one in the psalms that directly in the Hebrew says that it is Solomon's, and it has a few allusions in it of Solomon, but specifically, it sounds like it's out of Proverbs. It sounds like it belongs in the book of Proverbs because it's wisdom literature, meaning it's intended to teach us. It's intended to present the truth and teach us what is right, what is good. And that's what God did in my life years ago, and prayerfully, I hope he will do that again in our lives here, that he will direct us from this psalm. And so, let's read it. So, follow with me, Psalm 127. So, a song of ascents of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. 
Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So let's, let's start at the beginning. So unless the Lord builds the house, this is a song of Solomon. Remember wisdom literature. And he is keenly aware of building things. What was Solomon known for? His wisdom, his wealth, prosperity, him being the third king of Israel, the last really the last king of the collected people before the, uh, the nation split in half. And so Solomon, he also is known for building lots of things, but especially the temple. That David, his father, intended to build the temple and set to doing it, collecting materials, and God said, no, you're not going to do this. Uh, I, I, have, I have it set aside for your son. And Solomon, it comes to him from the Lord to do this, to build this temple. And so he does. He builds the temple. And what is specifically important about the temple, besides the opulence and the grandeur of this thing, covered in gold and precious stones, and is is a sight, was a sight to behold, is its purpose. It's not just a building, but it was the physical place on earth where God's presence was, where God's people could come to meet with him and hear from him, and is a picture of what God is doing, of what God would do. And Solomon specifically is a picture of Christ looking forward. And so it's important for us to keep in mind in reading this is that this is looking forward to Christ, that all Scripture being given to us by God reveals him and directs us to see him and specifically directs us to see Jesus. And how Jesus fulfills this man's life and fulfills what God had set him to do. Which is to display the glory of God and to provide a place for God's people to know him. And so Solomon shares this wisdom. And he gives us these two activities here in this verse. You see, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. I think we have literal, but also a figurative meaning here in that I don't think he's necessarily saying that unless the Lord actually builds a house, then there's no point to our building. That if we're going to decide to build this place, let's wait for God to show up with his hammer and start with us. I don't think that's what it means. I think that is, uh, that is a little uh, juvenile of, a, of an intention here. I think what God is saying specifically is a figural understanding of things. And that notice who does the building. It says the Lord builds, but it also says that those who build. So there are people building and also the Lord building. Notice also that the Lord watches over the city, but there's also a watchman who's staying awake, who is watching. And so we have, we have these two parties who are active. And the comparison given is between the value, the outcome. That if the Lord is not doing the building, no matter the building that the builders are doing, the human person is building, it's not 
it, they're building something, they are making things, but it's ultimately in vain. The watchmen watching over the city, sitting on the wall, looking if there are any enemies coming, if there are any dangers or any problems, who is staying awake, who's up all night looking and watching, that ultimately their watching is in vain if the Lord is not with them, if the Lord is not watching over this city. And so the vanity comes from the separation between God and the efforts of man. That the people here doing in isolation what they're doing, this building, this watching, this creation, this taking care of things. So I think we can look at this building as a creation that God has made us as sub-creators, that he has made us to do stuff. You go to work, you have jobs, you make money, you, you take care of your home, you add things to your house, you fix it up, you, you, you do things, you are active in life. We also watch over things. We watch over what God has given. We look after and protect and seek to take care of the things that God has given us, like a watchman watching over a city, that we seek to watch over those around us and take care of our community, our families, our friends, our neighborhood. We watch over. Yet, if we do this in isolation from God, if our efforts, as this second verse will make even abundantly more clear, if in isolation from God it is ultimately in vain, what does it count to? Yes, you've built something. You've created something. Yes, you've looked after something and tried to take care of it. But if it is against God and without Him, it's temporal. It is not guaranteed. The outcome does not last. And so notice, let's go, to, let's go to the next verse. There we go. I'm trying this new thing. It's not working very well. <laughs> so verse 2, it says, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. So I missed this. I skipped this. Notice in verse 1, notice the designation God gives of himself. Who is he? What do you see in your, your translation? Is it Lord in all caps or is it lower cased, just L-O-R-D? All caps. What does that signify? Do you know what that signifies? Yahweh. What's Yahweh? The name of God specifically. It's used specifically in the Old Testament to reference the personal covenant-keeping name of God. That it shows up first with Moses as Moses is standing in front of a bush that is not burning up and that keeps on burning and burning and burning. And then God speaks to him and in the conversation Moses asks him, who when I show up and tell the Israelites that, that God has sent me, what do I call you? What's your name? Yahweh, the personal name of God. It signifies that God keeps his promises and he personally relates to his people. And so when we see this word, it's packed with meaning. It is not Lord is in authority. Yes, he is in authority, but it's not a terrifying Lord that, that he is going to mete out judgment, but it is his kind personal name for his people that God, the Lord, keeps his promises. He is faithful to what he has said. He will do what he has promised. And he will take care of his. He will take care of his creation and his people. And so it's an important distinction as we look at this next verse. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, 
eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. And so what he's saying, these general principles of creating and protecting, what we see here is that as it says that it is vain that you rise up early, go late to rest. So, so you have a chore, you have something you need to do, and so you stay up as late as you can to get it all done. You wake up as early as you can, you forsake sleep, you're running on anxiety and tension and fear of, I've got to get this done. Anybody identify there? So that you, that this is, that this, this feeling, this sense of, if I don't do it, it's not going to happen. And so I've got to do this, I've got to sacrifice, I've got to sleep less and more coffee and, and keep going, or energy drinks or whatever you might, that, that I've got to stay focused and finish this by by these things. And what does he say? It is in vain that we do this. So what God is saying is not saying, excuse me, what God is not saying is that quit. You don't have to do anything. You ain't got to work. None of that. That's not what he's saying at all. See, if you look in Proverbs 14, it says that in all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. And so he's not saying that you don't do nothing. What he's saying is, how are you doing it? Do you you trust in your effort and what you can do that, that if I don't do it, it won't be done? If I don't do this, if I don't focus on this, if I don't forsake all these other things in order to get this accomplished, that nothing's going to happen. The world's going to crumble and things will will not occur. That is eating bread by anxious toil. Notice what he says in that. You're eating bread. It does bring something. That sense of anxiety, that that staying up late, going to bed late, and sleeping minimal hours in order to wake up again, in order to accomplish and get it done. That this sense of of dependency on self yields bread. It yields produce. We get some of what we need. Yet what is it received in? Anxious toil. You know where that comes from? You know what that's connected to? It's connected to Genesis 3 is where we first see it. Genesis 3 as... Adam and Eve, they sin. They reject God's promise and God's word. And they decide looking at this object, whatever it was, looking at this fruit and saying, this is good for the knowledge that belongs to God and for food. And so I will eat. And so they reject God. They they turn away from him. They sin and introduce this sin and destruction into the world. And so let's read Let's read specifically what God says to Adam is the outcome of this decision. And so Genesis 3, 17, And Adam said, Because you listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, that's anxious toil, that's the word, in pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Right there, anxious toils in that. 
Till you return to the ground, out of it you were taken, for your dust, and to dust you shall return. So, we see at the beginning here this filling of this term, this one word in Hebrew that God gives us for, for the anxiety-laden approach to life. Eating the bread by anxious toil that comes from our existence in a corrupt world. We live in a world that's been corrupted fallen. It's lapsed. It's not what God intended it to be, and we are not naturally what God intends us to be. Therefore, there is a natural way now, because of sin, entering the world in the order that God has made that feels right, that I know I've got to do this, I know I've got to get there, I know I've got to, to do these things, and, be, and as long as I focus and do this, it will happen. This natural order and understanding that may feel right, but God is saying that it culminates in vanity. It's temporary. What you receive is simply temporary to meet those immediate needs versus what he says here in Psalm 72 that what does he give his beloved? Sleep. Now, I heard one person uh, talk about this and specifically in regards to how it's written if you're reading an ESV as it says his beloved sleep. And he's talking about it from the state of anxiety. And if I'm anxious, I won't sleep. doesn't mean he gives me sleep. I need him to work more. I need him to give me more time. And so approaching this uh, from, from that stance, it may not appear in what he's saying that this is a gift if you're approaching it there. This, the Hebrew in here has two options. You have two interpretive options here. That it is as printed, that gives to his beloved sleep, or he gives to his beloved in sleep. So he either presents sleep, and I think both are good, and communicate good truth. I think if we look at it as printed, it gives his beloved sleep or rest. We see in Christ rest that he gives to his people. But we also see a reality a reality that we can experience, that is we walk in faith that God never rests. God is always with us. And even while we give up and lay down our th the things that drive us to anxiety, the things that drive us to fear, as we lay them at the feet of Christ and give them to Him, to trust Him that while we are asleep, He is there for us. He is fixing things that we couldn't do on our own. So we awake and all of a sudden he has provided, he has taken care of things. He has worked in the lives of others and set things up circumstantially for his good and the good of his people that he does as he gives in sleep. And so what we see in these two verses is the holistic view of life, the vanity of working without God. The vanity of doing things and living without God in our lives and without trusting in Him. That you can find success. You can find in life that things may work out and work out in certain aspects well, but ultimately it will be in vain. Ultimately it will not satisfy you and ultimately it will not culminate to a, a fulfilled life and a life where you are stand right before God. 
that it will culminate ultimately, eternally in vanity unless you are following God, unless you hear and see Him and your life has been turned to Him to trust in Him that He would build, that He would watch, and that He would provide for you. That you would submit to His authority and His sovereignty and trust in Him rather than eating the bread of anxious toil, but instead you would seek Him that He would give you rest. That He would take care of you. That you would be content in your circumstances and content in His sovereign plan for your life. That He knows where you're at. He knows who you are. And instead of striving and fighting and driving against the things around you, and the things that God would do, that instead you say, okay, you are Lord and I am not. You are God and I am not. I can build. I can watch. I can fight and strive for bread. But ultimately, I recognize that you are the God of the universe and I am a person and I am limited and I cannot do it. Instead, Lord, would you build? Would you watch? Would you provide? So I was surprised in preparing and thinking of this, specifically at that line of eating the bread of anxious toil, how anxious I am, how often my approach to my circumstances is anxiety and self-hope, that I just need to do this. And this line is what the Lord, he got me on this week. As I intended and thought we were going one way and he continued to, remind me and reset my direction as I found myself very anxious over details and things that needed to happen or that I needed to do that instead of trusting in him, instead of looking to him and resting in him, in what he has done and who he is, that he is a good God who loves his people, that I was full of anxiety and full of fear, and full of self-dependence. How often do you, does this mark your life? How often do you approach circumstances in your life from a place of anxiety, seeking to make what you can out of what's in front of you, to go immediately to, well, I can do this, I can handle this. If I have enough time, if I have, what, if I have the resource, I, I can do it. How often is that your immediate, your immediate stance and thought? May we trust in God that he would supply rest. So God's supreme beloved is Jesus. I want to look at a few verses that Jesus gives us in Matthew 11. He says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and I and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus invites us to come to him. He invites us to come to him to find rest. That there is a yoke. A yoke is an implement of burden, an implement of work. God is not calling us to a workless, empty life where we don't do anything and we just occupy the lazy boy. 
He's calling us to activity, but activity underneath Him. Activity within what He has called us to, in respect to what He has said, in dependence upon Him, recognizing that apart from Him, we can do nothing. John 15, abide in Christ, because apart from Him, there is nothing we can accomplish. Building without Him is in vain. Watching without Him is in vain. And so may we come to Him that our lives would be ordered as he would have them and learn from him, rest in him, for he is gentle, he is lowly in heart, and he intends to provide rest for our souls. For those who trust in him, who identify with him, who are in Christ. So, let's continue to the second half of this psalm. So, the second half 3, 4, and 5 of Psalm 127 looks at children and family and how family is a gift of God. And God desires us to look at it as a gift. We're rolling up on a holiday tomorrow. And holidays mean families get together, and that can be a tense time. That can be a time that you may not look forward to. It can be a great time to look forward to. And part of, I think, that anxiety comes from a view that is inadequate for what God says and what he has done. And specifically, a shift in our belief and understanding of the gift that our families are. And so, let's read these verses. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So notice, behold, take note. We have a change here that he's telling us, pay attention to this. Pay attention that children are a heritage. Children are a gift from God, something that God has given, that God gives to a family. Family's not, not a burden. Naturally, uh, it's, it's a gift from God, and community is, is something that the Lord gives a heritage And so what does it mean? What does this mean here that uh, at the end, that blessed the man who fills his quiver with him, he shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate? Does it mean that full quiver, lots lots of young brawny men, that dad shows up and an enemy is there who's accusing him, and so he's got a posse like a mafia behind him, like you ain't gonna do nothing, uh, that you're gonna... It's not going to end well with my 47 sons back here that, are, that know where, you're, where you live. And, and is that what he means? Is that what he means here? I, I don't think so. I don't think that's the intention here of this psalm. But specifically that a family, a full family, gives standing in community. Stability. It's a valuable thing that, that solidifies someone, that a formidable family is not meant to sway a de- legal decision. Being at the gate, the, the gate of a city is where legal things happened. Judicial things would happen. If someone would, would bring accusations or whatever, and you have the legal things happen. So it doesn't mean that through authority comes from lots of kids, therefore to sway a decision in favor, that... That's not, what, that's not who God is. God values truth. What is right? Not manipulation. So what I think he intends, what God is saying, specifically coincides with other scripture like James 1.17, that every good gift given comes down from above, from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation 
or shifting shadow, that every good thing given, God gives, and our children are a good gift from God that grounds and provides and gives direction. So, two things. Let's do two quick takeaways and we'll wrap up. First of all, all of life is to be engaged in, whether it's the obligations or the privileges of life, in restful reliance on God. Everything. All we do, we need to rely on God in whatever aspect, whatever we are doing, working, making, providing for, trying to take care of, that we would do so in reliance of the Lord, that He will take care of us, that He is with us, He is beside His people. He is beside those who are in Christ. He is beside His church and He takes care of them. That He is before us. That before we existed, God was. And after we are gone, God will be. And so that we would trust in Him, we would rely upon Him and have faith in His effective working and His provision for our lives. He gives rest, sleep, restoration to His beloved. So don't be anxious. Don't be terrified and anxious and working just for what you can do and what you can have. But instead, trust in Him. And again, this is for His beloved. It's not a general thing. So to make that distinction, he's talking about his people. And because of the corruption of the world that we naturally are in, we must be restored. That God, by what he has said and written, reveals the sin in our hearts and draws us to a place of repentance, of turning from sin, turning from selfishness, to trust fully that Jesus came to give his life in our place. What we deserve is punishment for our sins. What we deserve is the penalty of our sins, death. Verse from last month, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. That what our sin brings about, our rebellion against God is death and destruction, is what we deserve. Yet the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. If we trust in him. In what he has done and who he is. In what he says here in this psalm of who God is. His character and his intention. And his eminence. That we will be forgiven and saved by his grace. And the beloved of God. And so, may we not approach anxiously life. But instead, recall what he says, recall who he is, and trust in him. Secondly, families, children, good gift from God. It helps us see the handiwork of God, reveal that we are here because of him, because he has taken care of us, and he has provided. And so it reminds us of his handiwork is good, and it also stabilizes us in his good order. As we are living, if, if, if verse 2 is what we're doing, that we are, we are seeking to eat the bread of anxious toil, there's a tendency there. To put it mildly, there's a tendency to look for bigger and better and to not be happy where we're at. But to continue to strive and drive for something greater. Which yields a life without contentment. Which yields a life of unrest and yields a life of focusing on what else, what else can I have? 
Family grounds us. Children help us. Things are limited there. And so naturally, by a good gift from God brings stability in life that we would be content. We would be content in Him, content in what He has done, and content in Him being with us. Content in the Lord also as we follow Him in this, that He leads us to be content with Him. Also, as we see in this terminology, the image of a warrior with his arrows, I'm not a warrior. Like, I've never been a warrior, but I can imagine that if this is my job, I'm going to take care of with great attention the implements of my, my trade, the arrows. So to take that imagery, do you think haphazardly throw arrows in the water, or let them rust, ah, no big deal, whatever, the warrior just, ah, it's fine, I don't know how many I have, I might have five, I might have 37 arrows, who knows, but it'll be all right. Do you think the warrior looks at, at his tools that way? Yes, no, maybe so. No, I wouldn't imagine so. I would imagine he is very intentional to, to make sure arrows are sharp, sword is sharp, things are ready to go. He has enough. It, the, the quiver is full. Like He is ready. The bow is strung. He, he is, he's ready for whatever, it would, whatever would happen, for whatever's going to come. And I think the image is intentional, not that, that our, our children are weapons, but that we are to care for them as parents. We are to be intentional with them. Our children will grow up. You all were children one day. They will become adults and we must be intentional with the time. We must be intentional to focus on them and on the time that we would prepare them for what God would use them, for how God would fling them across the world and what God would use them to do in life. That we as parents must be intentional and not complacent. That we must utilize the, the very limited time that He gives us to sharpen, to teach, to prepare, to send them underneath his guidance, underneath his sovereign hand of mercy and what he has done. And so, lastly, well, let's go back. Conclude with these verses. Encourage you with what God has said, what Jesus he offers and issues to us to come to him Come to him, all who labor and heavy laden, and he will give you rest. And so it may be where you are in life that you have no rest. Maybe because you do not know him. You do not belong to Christ. That you stand in selfishness and self-reliance and not upon reliance in God. See Jesus. He gave his life so that you would know God and be forgiven be given life and life eternal. Do you see God's hand in your life? Do you see him building? Do you see him sovereignly bringing you where you're at in life? Do you see him? He issues a call to come to him. And he will give you rest. To come to Christ in repentance from sin and self. To trust your life to the Lord Jesus. That he would be with you and that you would belong to him. Maybe you know him. Maybe you're a believer and you still need 
a moment of repentance. You still would find, like me, that this week has been full of anxiety and that God's word has, has hit you in the face. It did me all week. Turn to Christ to trust in him that he would give you rest. That the Lord would build and the Lord would watch and that you would be surrendered to him. Okay, let's pray. Father God, I thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that, Lord Jesus, you, you are the Lord that you have given. You have given that we would know you, that we would know truth, and we would be restored by your grace. And so, Father, I ask that, God, that would be true of each and every one of us, that each and every one in here would know you and trust in your Son, that, God, you would reveal to those who don't, you would reveal your hand. You would reveal how you have been at work in their lives to bring them to a place of repentance, of trust in Christ, and that you would lead them there, you would lead them to trust in your Son, that you would call them by your grace. And, God, would you help us that, Lord, as maybe, maybe what we need to hear is, is the gift that you've given us and the nearness that you have to us. And then instead of relying on ourselves, treating family as a burden, then instead we need to gaze and look upon you. That you need to captivate us. Take our attention away from ourselves. And that, God, you do that today. You would draw us to you. That we would see Christ high and lifted up. So, God, would you, Lord, lead us in this time of response for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we'll have it.